This program contains adult content. Is there a God? A big atheist. Really? What, am I an idiot? Come on. That yes, it would be nice if you could throw your sins and your responsibilities on someone else. But it's not true. It looks like far-left lunacy. I don't believe that it's true that religion is moral or ethical. You don't need to follow anybody! It's not human intelligence! If someone doesn't value logical consistency, what logical argument are you going to give them that will demonstrate that they should? Hello and welcome to the Godless Revolution. Today is Wednesday, March 17th. It's Saint Murderous Fast... Or Murderous... <laughs> <laughs> murderous son of a bitch day. Saint murderous yeah. son of a bitch day. Yes, son thank of a you. bitch. I, I, I finished editing the show like two days ago and I can't remember the title. <laughs> I'm I'm just really busy. My name is Dan Ellis. I'm joined via remote call through the Googles by Mr. Ryan Duffy. Oh, fuck. Yes. And I'm not a murderous bastard. <laughs> Mr. Taylor Grin. Hey, hey, how's it going? Good, good. And this week we have a very special guest with us. Uh, yeah. I will, I will let you do the honors of introdu- introducing this person, Mr. Grin. Thank you. I appreciate you. Um, today I am joined by my better half, um, Sandra. Uh, Sandra Sparks, uh, has an undergraduate in sociology and she's studying a master's in political science. Um, and she's going to be here to help us, uh, read through, uh, some academic literature that I think will be really helpful for our listeners. I Sandra? am. Yeah. I am very excited about this because we've had Sandra in studio with us before, but she she would not talk on the microphone very much. About that. About that. So I don't know if you know this, Dan, but uh, that was exactly 150 episodes ago. Was it really? Yes. So oh, the wow. episode where we were in studio was episode 175 for all of the long listeners. Um, and. I just, before we say anything, I want to let you guys know <laughs> that I had every opportunity, every single opportunity to be a part of that podcast. They offered me a mic in the middle of the episode because I'm so used to being <laughs> Taylor's co-pilot that I know when he's left something out of his sentence that he intended to be there. And so I kept like, I had my hands in my hair, like you're forgetting things, <laughs> but I swear to you, I swear to you all, I had the opportunity to speak. I promise that these guys did not deny me the opportunity. No, we weren't going to have um, some silly female talking on our show. <laughs> I was like, I'm not qualified for this. And now I have to accept that I've got a degree in that subject now. So so <laughs> getting your cooties on the mic, babe. <laughs> I'm so glad that you were willing to come on the show with us because um, yeah, exactly. you know more about this shit than I do. I've glanced at the amount of content you guys have prepared and it looks amazing and fantastic and that it will probably take up a lot of the show. So without any further ado, let's let's dive in, man. What, what do you got for us? Sure thing. I'm going to start off by reading a summary of an academic study that was posted to the Fizzorg, and then um, Sandra is going to start talking about the analysis that she did on the study itself that we accessed at its journal database. So on that note, a new study suggests that while atheists and theists share moral values related to protecting vulnerable individuals, atheists are less likely to endorse values that promote group cohesion and are more inclined to judge the morality of actions based on their consequences. Thomas Stoll, one of the University uh, of Illinois at Chicago, presents these findings in the open access journal Pelos One on February 24th, 2021. In many countries, including the U.S., widespread cultural beliefs hold that atheists lack a moral compass. However, no previous studies have systematically examined the differences between atheists and theists' concepts of morality. To address this gap, Stoll conducted two surveys examining the moral values of 429 American atheists and theists via Amazon's Mechanical Turk platform. He also conducted two larger surveys involving 4,193 atheists and theists from the U.S., a predominantly religious country, and Sweden, a predominantly irreligious country. 
Analysis of the results suggests that theists are more inclined than atheists to endorse moral values that promote group cohesion. Meanwhile, atheists are more likely to judge the morality of an action based on its consequences. However, atheists and theists appear to align on moral values related to protecting vulnerable individuals, liberty versus oppression, and being epistemically rational i.e. believing in claims when they are evidence-based and being skeptical about claims not backed by evidence. The survey results also provided clues as to why atheists and theists' moral compasses may be calibrated differently. The distinctions may stem in part from theists' increased exposure to community engagement in belief-based behaviors that would be costly if the beliefs were false, such as attending religious meetings. Differences in cognitive style and levels of perceived existential threat may also contribute. Future studies could explore further these potential causal relationships. These findings suggest that the widespread idea that atheists are immoral may arise in part from their weak endorsement of moral values that promote group cohesion and their consequence-based case-by-case moral judgments of actions. Stoll adds, the most general take-home message from these studies is that people who do not believe in God do have a moral compass. In fact, they share many of the same moral concerns that religious believers have, such as concerns about fairness and about protecting vulnerable individuals from harm. However, disbelievers are less inclined than believers to endorse moral values that serve group cohesion, such as having respect for authorities, in-group loyalty, and sanctity. It is also possible that the negative stereotype of atheists as immoral may stem in part from the fact that they are less inclined than religious people to view respect for authority, in-group loyalty, and sanctity as relevant for morality, and they are more likely to make moral judgments about harm on a consequentialist case-by-case basis. I think that last bit is is really telling, and it it rings true to me. Like I've noticed that for my you know for my religious peers, they seem much more concerned with maintaining group cohesion at the cost of morality than maintaining morality at the cost of group cohesion. Like it's just flipped. Yeah, and I uh, I kept thinking about when you talk about the group cohesion. The fact that the, the groups that run the, like, I can't remember what they call it, like the Unday church, like on Sundays where atheists get together and it's not really like a church service, but it's kind of in that realm. The atheist church. The Sunday movement. assembly, I think. Yeah. The yeah. Sunday assembly. Yeah. yeah that, that's, uh, how they're trying to get a form of cohesion amongst atheists, but so many atheists also rip on them for doing that because it's like, well, it's just like church. I don't want to fucking go to that. It's fucking (laughs) stupid. So one of the interesting things is that part of the impetus for the study is that atheists rip on other atheists. Yeah. So uh, one of the biggest, (laughs) one of the biggest things that led to this was talking about that we've kind of shot ourselves in the foot in terms of internalizing the propaganda that goes against atheists. And so when surveyed about attitudes against atheists, uh, even the atheists were like, no, those people have fewer morals. Um, And to me, it very much seems like the way that people of color can internalize discrimination against them. And so there can be in-group racism as well. Atheists have kind of done the same thing. And it's fascinating to me the way that we can hold an ideology and still consider somebody to not, not hold up. But I, I kind of look at that as a way of, you know, I've always viewed that as I'm going to give everyone the same criticism, no matter what, it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. if you're on my side or not. If I think you're doing something that I think is not appropriate, I'm going to be just as critical of you versus people are like, when someone on the religious side does something horrible, I'm like, well, but he's a good person. He's he's a good Mormon. <laughs> yeah. He's a good he would Mormon. Never guy. Do that. It's like case basis. Yeah. That's yeah. Well, right. consequentialist yeah. thinking. And that kind of plays into into the view that, that I have and that I know a lot of people on the left have that the right are complete hypocrites because they're super quick to criticize anybody that they consider to be part of the out group and not at all interested in criticizing anybody within their own group. Mm-hmm. And that's one of uh, the the moral foundations. Um, there are five of them. Um, what are they, babe? They're um, protection, uh, protection from harm, right? Mm-hmm. Fairness, mm-hmm. Uh, loyalty um, to the in group, um, adherence to authority, and uh, sanctity. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like that in group 
uh, uh, loyalty is, is one of those binding moral foundations versus the individualizing ones are the prevention of harm and the fairness, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's, so, that's super interesting. Do you want to talk about the charity thing? Yeah. So um, one of the first indicators that the study analyzes is charitable donations, which I don't know about you guys, but I have had to argue this point about atheists being charitable until I'm blue in the face. <laughs> um, I think about the fact that prominent atheists in the community lead donation drives of tens of thousands of dollars uh, to modest needs every year. But, you know, we, we, we don't want to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Uh Regardless, uh, the study relates uh, religion with in-group loyalty and that strong impression from the church that if they don't be charitable, they'll burn in hell. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, you can only if you're a Mormon, you can only get into the temple if you're doing the the ten percent tithing, right? right yeah. 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 You need to maintain your tithing donations in order to maintain your temple recommendation. Which is it charitable if you're being forced to do it? <laughs> That's a good question. I argue not. Yeah. Well, additionally, is the money going where it's supposed to? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. So one of the things that I remember reading in the study was that um, requests for donations ended up being like a big factor, and that absent the drive for more requests for donations, um, religious people might not be donating as much as they are. Um, I remember when we were talking about this earlier that like maybe that's just a lesson that atheists need to take to heart is that like given that we lack some of the institutions of religions and that we don't you know we know of like one big charity drive that happens annually but like we aren't going to church you know 52 times a year and so that might just be something that the atheist community needs to be better at because as you were talking to me about the article it seems like um it's not that that it's a moral decision, right? That atheists don't donate as much. It's literally just a a tactical one, right? Or a tactical failing in that churches do um in many ways extort donations on a weekly basis, whereas our organizations really do only make drives like once or twice a year. And mm-hmm. so that might be something we need to do more frequently. I know that uh for a while atheists of Utah had um auctions and that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I still have some comics I need to get to you. Uh, and additionally, there's a performative action that comes with religious charity in that they gloat about it constantly because it's a part of their infrastructure. Mm-hmm. So it's not that atheists aren't donating to religion or, do- excuse me, donating charity. It's that we're doing it for reasons that don't enhance our standing. We're doing it because it's important to us. And so... I think there's also a difference in the reporting of charity as well, because Mm -hmm. religious people are constantly talking about how charitable they are. Right. Right. And doesn't that get into that other thing uh, in the study, the um, credibility enhancing displays? Yes. Yeah. So creds uh, is a popular uh, acronym. Acronym. Is that the word you're looking Thank for? You. Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. <laughs> yeah. The acronym, those, those things we use to make a long word shorter, mm-hmm. like cred. Yes. Uh, (laughs) I'm a dick once in a while I apologize it's cool so three of the most plausible contributors to religious belief which they covered in the study is first the lack of exposure to creds which is credibility enhancing displays basically we're not constantly getting those morals shoved down our throat the way that it often is in church and so there's just fewer instances of encountering that form of thinking. Um, and then additionally, there's also uh, low existential threat. So oftentimes, uh, people who are... Athe- so I'm going to say atheists. I want to preface that in the study, they use the terminology of disbelievers or irreligious people. Mm. However, I'm going to say atheist specifically because they made sure to only use data from people who said they absolutely do or absolutely do not believe in God. Oh, okay. Um, so because they didn't include the the maybes and the in-betweens on that, I'm going to go ahead and say atheist. I think um, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. 
and I also don't hate myself and don't want to trip up a million times. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, Regardless, one of the things that they found is that amongst atheists, they generally had lower instances of existential threat. So they often weren't as impoverished. They had access to better education. Um, and additionally, that leads to more analytical thinking and cognitive analysis, which is the third thing that leads to people being atheists more frequently. I hope that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that reminds me of the other study that we read, but ultimately like only kind of leaned on as opposed to like wanted to talk about, talk about in this episode um, that was trying to get to the bottom of like what actually causes people to leave religion, because we can point to a lot of like, like social level, like big macro, like trends that will, tend to cause a population to have more disbelievers. Mm -hmm. But based on some other literature we were looking at, um, we don't know what makes a person leave religion. Like we, we have at best 21% accuracy in, in saying if these conditions are met, a person will leave religion. And that's, that's useless, right? Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't gamble at a casino on 21% odds, you know? <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it, it, um, what it made me think about is, is those conditions of low existential threat. One of the things the study talked about was that, um, there tend to be two phases of, um, like populations becoming atheist in phase one. It's generally the study said, um, people who are part of the predominant, like race or ethnical group, uh, ethnic group, uh, males who have some degree of like wealth and or privilege within that community because they can handle the social stigma of like making one thing that is antithetical to the rest of the community, right? Like a, a white man in America can afford to have one unpopular thing about himself, which is being an atheist. Mm -hmm. But the study also found that there's a second stage um, that as those early adopter, you know, male privileged individuals start becoming prominent atheists, other individuals feel more safe at their coming out to themselves become non-religious or come out as non-religious. And so that second stage of atheists tends to look more and more like the general population. And I know like we all read, you know, studies and that kind of thing about atheists in the like early 2010s. Right. And most of those were saying, yeah, atheists are predominantly male, white, uh, you know, upper middle class, well-educated. That's no longer the case, right? American atheists more and more are, just as diverse as the rest of America. And that's because of those early years of like angry white men on podcasts, right? Um, <laughs> looks at self and mirror, right? Um, hey. right? Uh, uh, but that has, has paved the way for the movement to look like America. And I just find that super interesting because that, that really ties into those credibility enhancing displays. You know, the more that we do um, as members of the movement, to show examples of what good atheism looks like, the more that we can help motivate people into our movement. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Sorry, and, it's, I, I, and it's and it's flexing those um, it's flexing those privilege those those muscles of privilege, right? That that allow us to create space for other people, and and yeah, and of course, you know that privilege can be used. It's, it's a double edged sword. You can use it for good or for ill. And I am very happy to be associated with a lot of organizations that have been trying to use that privilege for good and, and to help increase that space and provide that space yeah. for other people to, to create a more diverse movement in general. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as, as Spider-Man might say, with great privilege comes with great responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or as our ex-Mormons might think, like, because I've been given much, I too must give, right? Um. <laughs> no, I, I had a quick question. I didn't I didn't see it in the notes, so I don't want to trip you up at all with sure. this one or not. Uh, did the study say anything about how outspoken, like the level of outspokenness of atheists that were like question like hey very outspoken little outspoken or keep your atheism to yourself i'm gonna be honest the study really didn't cover that it's not just okay. that i don't know i don't think that was present yeah that's why i didn't know uh, if that was in there or not because i am not good at reading studies <laughs> i do it all too often uh, but but no i don't think it covered that and i think that it would be a fantastic thing to explore further i know there's probably some psychological studies that get into things like uh externalized belief um and and 
being vocal about it, but not this one in particular. One of the things, though, that this study ruled out as being a contributor to belief or disbelief was um, mental state, or uh, I'm not the person to make a call on whether or not neurodiverse is the right word to use. Um, but typically within academia, academia, I've encountered it as neurodiversity, um, most commonly known as whether or not you're on the autism spectrum. It's just okay. one example of many, many different examples of mental state. Um, and this study found explicitly that mental state really had nothing to do with belief. And I really appreciated that it went through the time to that, show yeah. that that was not a factor. Um, it was one of the things that really made me attach myself to the study. So that it's, so that it's not something that you can say people who are neurotypical are, are more prone to disbelief than anybody else or, or vice versa. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, very cool. Well, Let's take a quick break and we'll get back to this in a minute. This is fascinating shit. Hi, everybody. This is Mikey Weinstein. I'm the founder and president of the Military Religious Freedom Foundation. And you are listening to The Godless Revolution. Are you waiting for a bus? I like the cold. It helps me think. Buddhist monks believe that suffering comes from the thinking mind. They can also train their minds not to feel pain. One of them lit himself on fire. I think that one felt pain. Thank you to everybody who has rated the show on iTunes and Stitcher and are following us on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. And to all our Patreon patrons, you make the show possible. And welcome back. Uh, before the break, we were talking about the um, the three plausible contributors to religious disbelief. And I totally got us off on another track. And Sandra was going to tell us a little bit more about how that relates to the binding moral foundations. So I'm just going to get the hell out of the way and uh, let you continue on with what you were saying. I'm sorry about that. No, you're fine. So those three contributors to uh, the binding moral foundations are respect for authority, sanctity, and in-group loyalty. And one of the things that the study found is those might be part of the reasons why atheists don't conform so tightly is that uh, when authority is against you and you're in the minority and you're considered a sin for existing, it's really difficult to be so like loyal to the in-group. Right? Yeah, it's very or, difficult when they hate you. Right. It's, it's hard like, to find something like pure or sacrosanct, right? When... When, like, they're saying that you yourself are impure. Is and that there are permanent consequences for being exactly who you are. Like how a lot of, like, the LGBTQ community rally, rails against religion and atheists who stand with them are also fighting with them being like, fuck you guys for treating these people like second class. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like... I'll say this every time it comes up. Atheism owes so much to the LGBT uh, uh, splat movement, right? Mm -hmm. Because they've taught us so many good methods and tactics and ways of, of um, advocating for ourselves. Um, I was going to say communicating too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, th I mean, there's an essay going back almost a decade now um, that talks about like firebrands and diplomats. And I whipped that out. I mean, gosh, probably once or twice a month at like, at least. For, yeah, all the time, <laughs> still years later, like we owe so much to them. Um, but yeah, like I just, and, and, and I kind of wanted to get into like th the study gets into this is that one of the reasons why people view atheists as being immoral is because the religious people really value those things, that in-group loyalty, that sanctity, that uh, uh, adherence to authority. We don't, right? Well, there's just not as much community for atheists as there is for, for religious people. We don't have that building exercise once to twice a week. Mm -hmm. And so when there's not as much opportunity to interface with each other, especially in COVID times where we're trying to actually be responsible for our germs. <laughs> mm -hmm. Which uh, is why uh, the uh, American Atheist is doing their event uh, digital this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is awesome. Uh one of the other things, too, was that this study was done on two different populations, one in the U.S. and another in Sweden. And those same 
analyses, the fact that those three contributors are the biggest reasons why why atheists don't conform so tightly to those moral foundations was found in both populations, including when you accounted for those creds. So the differences in those demonstrations of religiosity as well as existential threats. So accounting for poverty and education and all of those things. Because Sweden's a lot better than America about those things. Yeah. But to say, is yeah. that why Sweden is more less religious because they are a lot more like their education system, their healthcare system, the, the, the stuff people have to worry about on a daily basis is probably way less than what people got to worry about here in the U S. So if I recall correctly, when we looked at that, there's corollary data that mm-hmm. says that, but not really any causal data. And and that gets into the other study that we were looking at is like, we really don't know on an individual level why people leave religion. But like if, if religion isn't seen as like the predominant, authority source if if your needs are being met um then then largely like you don't need religion as much and and one thing i really wanted to to poke on too right like if you accept the moral foundation theory as being like a good measure of what is and is not moral um atheists and and religious folks adhered to the fairness and the prevention of harm equally absolutely equally um, and then but they also uh, scored identically on on amorality, which is another measure of morality that's that's sometimes called Machiavellianism. And atheists and religious people were equally likely to not be amoral. Per, so it's per it's story. not about what morals each group does or does not have. It's about the environment that surrounds those morals, mm-hmm. and that and that religious people see us atheists not adhering to those binding morality and think that we have no morality, where we just have not all the same moral values as they do, and don't scream to the sky about it every five minutes. Well, and it's it's interesting that you that you talked about believers and non-believers having the same or holding value in the same way against um, harms, right? But it's that their religious teachings prompt them to believe that if they don't act in accord with what they, with what the religious believer believes God wants other people to do that, that, that then they are acting immorally. So if they're, you know, a member of the LGBTQ community by their very nature, they are immoral according to a lot of uh, religious believers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was going to give the example yeah, of Alan Turing, right? I mean, he is significantly responsible for the allied victory over the Nazis. And mm-hmm. then not a decade later, he was chemically castrated and that led him to commit suicide um, just for being gay. Like there mm-hmm. was no leeway given for being a world hero. Yeah. Um, he was still punished for being who he was. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm absolutely with you. Well, so from a, from a sociological point of view, one of the biggest tenets of sociology is fairness for whom. Uh, yeah. And, and equality for whom, fairness for whom. And so when you have extensive privilege in the communities that are uh, proliferating all of those morals, then it's very clear who they're talking, who they're speaking for and, and against. And so, like, yeah, I mean, that's that's George Orwell's animal farm right there, yeah. right? Equal rights, but but more equal for me than for you. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so so one of the things in the study that we were looking at is that um, uh, atheists tend to form moral judgments on the consequence of um, specific actions or inactions, um, whereas religious individuals have um, a rules based or if you're philosophy nerd, deontological um like way of looking at things where they'll say like eating pork is wrong, right? Like because the Bible says so eating pork is wrong. Whereas an atheist might, you know, on the one hand say like the Bible doesn't set the rules for me, jackass. I'm going to eat the sandwich. Right. (laughs) Or they might say, well, no, because I'm a vegan and I think it's unethical to eat meat. Like eating pork is wrong, but I didn't do it because the Bible told me so. Right. And so for them, uh, for us, it's, it's, um, consequences based not rules based um yeah it's it's more of a consequentialist view of morality and ethics right where and and that we don't we don't turn to some arbitrary authority to hand down to us what is or should be good and ethical or moral behavior we 
we can look at the consequences of our actions and determine for ourselves whether or not what we're doing is harmful to other to other people. Heaven mm. forbid that context matters. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, and and like it just it, yeah it strikes me you know again that we think about like how you said Dan is that um people can be like considered to be immoral for being who they are for what they are mm-hmm. right for something that has nothing to do with with like any action that they've taken or anything like that it's it's their existence is wrong and well, i i hate that yeah, like and, I, I can't stand people who think that way and our and our history is rife with examples of real really fucking terrible examples of how religion has led to the the denigration and harm active harm of all kinds of groups of people right i mean religion was used religion was and is still used as justification for racist beliefs right that yeah i mean let's look at the mormon church for example that believes and has taught since its inception that people who have dark skin are cursed by god because they were on the wrong side of a war in heaven and then that religious belief bleeds into our societal structures and allows religious believers to cause real harm to other human beings based on this arbitrary authority that has told them that, oh yeah, people with dark skin are they're they're just naturally bad people. You you shouldn't trust them, you shouldn't treat yeah. them as equals. Or our our treatment of Native American groups or the way in Australia they would kidnap the the children from a, the indigenous tribes to force them into a different religion or a different way of life. Or just that fuck had last year, no, two years ago, that tried to get onto that fucking island to preach to those fuckers and they shot him with arrows. <laughs> yeah. He got what he deserved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this actually gets into a point that we had previously omitted, but I think it's really important here. <laughs> it's not it's not crazy, but one of the things that Taylor and I speak about often is that there are not two sides to this argument. This is not a you're right and I'm wrong and you deserve to have all of your opinions listened to when mm-hmm. it comes to treating a human being like a human being mm-hmm. and even just treating somebody as what they are instead of acknowledging that it's a who they are mm-hmm. like i itemizing their identity um yeah and this I, comes from the from the party and people and group that generally likes to say that they hate identity politics right but right. that's what they fucking examine all the goddamn time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. go ahead. No, please, you. Uh, I was going to say that uh, one of the interesting facets of this is deliberative enclaves, especially on social media. So isolating yourself to your belief group because you don't want to hear other opinions. Mm-hmm. This happens in both a positive and a negative direction. And I think it's most known for the fact that people enter echo chambers where they only hear the things that they believe and it just reinforces it without ever getting any outside input. And that's that's incredibly harmful. And yeah, I don't no see any situation. positive side. There isn't a positive side. However if that's where you're finding information. <laughs> but, correct. Yeah. If instead if instead You use it as a protective measure, which I'm going to use a personal example here. My Facebook in particular is a place where I don't keep a lot of relations with people who have harmful, racist, homophobic opinions Mm -hmm. because I need one space where I don't encounter that every two minutes. Mm -hmm. I need one space where I can trust that the people I'm interacting with give a shit about society. However, because I'm an academic, because learning is a part of who I am, in all other places, I strive to find as many different opinions about things as possible. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important that in such a divisive society, we have a safe space and that we claim that for ourselves and that we allow ourselves to have a space where we say no. I'm not listening to what you have to say because your shit's harmful. And and it makes me, I haven't been able to articulate this until just now, but hearing you say that makes me think that I need to go like 
hit hit the ground and see if I can't find any research, John. Um, what it makes me think is that because conservatives and also religious people tend to value that in-group loyalty and and uh, uh, authority so much, you know, sanctity as well, but that's less important for the point I'm about to make, mm. is that I think that there's a lot of um, looking for those credibility-enhancing displays as the um, means by which they determine what information is valid. Uh, in communication theory, we look at three primary appeals for persuasion, logos, ethos, and pago, uh, pathos. Um, and, and ethos is the one that's basically reputation, right? Um, and, and so I am wondering now if I can find research that will show that because conservatives score high on loyalty and authority, um, and because of the importance of that ethos appeal, it is possible that they are basically confusing a social environment for an information environment and that that's a contributing factor or maybe a comorbid factor to why they form such bad echo chambers because I've seen data to show that like conservatives will get their information from very small number of sources where liberals will tend to get their information from a very broad array of sources. And it might just me uh, might just be that it has to do with that tight group cohesion that leads them to only look at information that's also consumed by other people in their social circle. And if I talk anymore, I'm just going to go around in another yeah. circle. <laughs> I was going to say that's, that, that just reminds me of people like the QAnon movement. Uh-huh. Oh, I did my research. I was on Facebook. Facebook and I saw Mike posted this and Susie posted that. <laughs> yeah, and on Parlor, Billy posted this and guess what? They're all saying the same thing. So it's gotta be true. Yeah, I was going to say that that these deliberative enclaves and people doing this and fucking I I was just enthralled listening to you guys talk back and forth. That was awesome. That was a great exchange and uh, wow, that was fantastic. Thank you. Um but while you were saying that is yeah, that that was the thought that was playing in my head is yeah, they get in these deliberative enclaves and then they value this in-group and and authority more than obtaining their information from a wide variety of sources. And it leads to like that that creates an environment and fosters conspiratorial thinking. Well, mm-hmm. and that also gets to one of those contributors to being an atheist, which was analytical reasoning and and cognitive thinking. And so when we encounter information. It's important for us to find the credibility of the source. We want to know if the methods were right and if they were being genuine in their questions. And if you are in such a tight knit group that you only absorb the headline of whatever news source you're reading, there isn't any of that extra thinking. And that's part of what makes critical thinkers Mm-hmm. Lean and, towards atheism. And and in case somebody like does read this uh, study, you know, not to kick our ass too hard. Um, it did find that analytical thinking is correlated with uh, disbelief, but that there is no real correlation between analytical thinking and belief or not. So basically, like it's a wash, right? It's it's there is no correlation between being a believer and having an analytic thinking style, but that there is a light correlation with analytic thinking and atheism so that, you know, I don't want to create the false perception of like a, um, a conflict, right? Like a, like a bifurcation where there is none, you know, it would not be accurate to say it would be incorrect to say that atheists are more analytical and religious people are not. Um, it's just that, Analytical thinking does correlate with atheism, whereas there is no correlation with religious thinking. Um, and that's not a positive or negative statement. It's just not correlate. Um, <laughs> you know, ducks have nothing to do with oranges, right? Um, so we need to hit a break. Um, there's one more thing that we wanted to cover uh, after the break. Fantastic. I look forward to hearing it. This has been so fucking cool. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm excited yeah. for, for the next bit. This is Natalie Newell of Science Moms and the Parenthetical Science Podcast. You are listening to The Godless Revolution. They stole my ship. They know I'm stranded here. They must be searching for me. I would grow a mustache as a disguise, but then I'd have to get a job as a firefighter or a pedophile. 
If you have questions, comments, concerns, compliments, corrections, criticisms, or concepts for content, contact the show via email at godlessrevolution at gmail.com, by text or voicemail at 330-81-REBEL, or Twitter the twatter at TGR Podcast. Thank you. Hey, welcome back. Uh, so before the break, we were talking about the moral foundation theory um, and the kind of intersections of like moral foundation theory and the reasons why people might be prone to disbelief versus belief. Um, but there was one other element of the study that I remember you really like kind of keyed on to and wanted to talk about. So I'm going to introduce some of the text of that study um, to bounce off of you so that you can tell us how you feel. Yeah. Um, so let me go ahead and read that. Atheism implies the absence of religious belief. This is from the study itself uh, and says nothing about what positive beliefs the disbeliever holds. I therefore argue that disbelief itself should contribute little to the endorsement of moral values and principles. Disbelief may contribute to the rejection of specific moral rules that stem from or are closely associated with religion, e.g. you should not eat pork, you should not work on the Sabbath. However, it seems implausible that disbelief itself causes people to adopt certain moral principles, e.g. consequentialism, or to discard broad classes of values as irrelevant for morality, e.g. the binding moral foundations. So if there is a single nugget of thought that you take away from this analysis and this conversation, it's that atheist is a declaration of not having a religious belief. And it says absolutely nothing about what we do believe. For this reason, a significant conclusion of this study is that a person's lack of religion does not and should not make a statement about their morals. To step away from the article for a second, this was a light bulb moment for me. The conflation of atheism with anything but there is no God is a purposeful tactic of guilt by association. If I encountered a person in the wild that told me that my atheism is why they don't trust me, I would ask them plainly to define for me what they think I actually believe. Amen. <laughs> yeah, because they seem to tie the the lack of belief in one particular thing and then they they run with that. They they project mm-hmm. everything else that mm-hmm. they think that non-believer believes. Yeah, atheism is a belief the way that bald is a hair color. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> bald is a beautiful hair color, Ryan. <laughs> my yeah. my hair color is starting to match yours more and more every day, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's why I changed mine every four weeks. <sighs> that's how I went bald. <laughs> Touche. So I have a personal <laughs> connection to this on a really deep level. To baldness? Um, no. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> I only shaved my head once and I don't regret it. So I had a conversation with someone very close to me who is very Christian. And I asked him to tell me in plain words what he believes. And this went on for four hours where he would tell me with a genuine uh, civil question, what his beliefs are, and I would ask how he got to that conclusion. Mm-hmm. And finally, we came to the end after many hours of talking, and he no longer had an answer for his question. And frustratedly, he asked me, why can't you just let me have this? <laughs> and, mm. and my answer was that I have a reason for each of my beliefs, and I don't need a God to do it. If you can't answer why you believe a thing what are you doing yeah yeah exactly if you if you can't justify why you believe the thing then why do you believe the thing like right, you've just right. like to me that's a clear indication that you've simply been indoctrinated into parroting whatever somebody else has told you you haven't you haven't thought about the things you think about or the things that you believe yeah. you've just become a parrot a a copycat a a facsimile of something somebody else has told you before well and there's so much brainwashing involved that halfway through the conversation he already hadn't considered the questions i was asking and i was asking questions about his text that he's claimed to read several times and so and this isn't just about this one person but something i've encountered multiple times and it, it just fascinates me that there aren't answers to the question why. Yeah. 
I, I actually had a Christian tell me that atheists are like the Borg in Star Trek. And I had to go, I'm like, wait, you're telling me the group of people in Star Trek that are like genetically cloned and all believe the exact same fucking thing are the atheists in the, in the show. <laughs> yeah. And it's not the people on the starship enterprise who actively do not follow a religion. Right. Written by Gene Roddenberry, famous yeah. humanist. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, like, yeah. it's like looking at, it's like examining life through a funhouse mirror, right? Everything is yeah. distorted and twisted and reversed in a lot of cases to where, you know, I, I often encounter people saying and believing and doing different things and when i ask them about it they they can't provide me any reason as to why they think or believe Mm -hmm. the things that they do and then they get angry with me for even asking the question in the first place well that's what happens when the reason is because i told you so yeah right and you're not a child who has to accept that answer i i think the reason why the guy thought atheists were like the borg from star trek because they're the bad guys. They're the evil ones. They're yeah. the ones that are trying to cause havoc and, and force everyone else to live like them. When I don't think he saw the irony in that. Yeah. <laughs> There's a reason that they talk about how they're all his children. I'm just going to put right. that out there. Or, or <laughs> that they are his sheep, his flock. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, well, but they're, they're, they're like, I'm not a sheep. Yeah. I'm going to be no sheeple. I, I get in arguments all the time and like I like I make no point in hiding it. I love the enlightenment. I love enlightenment thinkers. I love reading enlightenment literature. Um, I, I don't know what it is. I'm just a big nerd that way. Right. Um, and one of the core concepts of the enlightenment is this idea that like I may not agree with what you have to say, but I'll fight to the death for your right to say it. And like I've really ameliorated my stance on that some because I like. You have a right to your opinion. And I think that like, if your opinion is that like vanilla or chocolate are better ice cream flavors, then sure. That's okay. But if your opinion is some people should and should not have the right to marry that, that leaves the, the bounds of like an opinion. And that's what most philosophers would call an argument. Right. And I don't think, you know, if we're conflating those terms, I don't think that you have a right to your opinion. I think that you have a right to whatever you can, um, like meaningfully coherently argue Mm -hmm. you know like what what can you actually defend right and if you can't come up with a good reason as to why you hold a point of view right or especially a policy position then then no i'm not going to give you the time of day if you're a flat earther um your opinion is not worth (laughs) listening to it doesn't belong in the marketplace of ideas you shouldn't have a business license in that marketplace you know you and I, I mean, just I think that with the easy proliferation, I'm sorry, Ryan, I'm all, uh, uh, oh, you're good with the easy proliferation of information in the digital age where anyone has a soapbox and you don't have to, like, go through the gatekeepers of the press. Um, it's too easy for worthless opinions to be proliferated. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we need to grapple with that as a society. Now I'm done. I'm sorry about that, Ryan. Well, I was, I was just going to point out the fact that we ha- we specifically have laws in this country that are based around religion and we give them special names. We call them blue laws. I'm like, when we're supposed to be, and we're going to be covering this here in the future, we're supposed to be a secular nation. Mm-hmm. And we pass laws that are specifically revolved around a religious idea. Like you can't do this on Sunday. You need to be closed these mm-hmm. days. You can't sell this on this day. You can't do this. Making laws specifically to curtail around religion. We call them blue laws. Yeah, they I've had exist. to remind myself not to get angry at like a store clerk because they can't sell me alcohol on a Sunday. Like I, oh, but man. it's not. It's not. <laughs> it's because of stupid religious people that dictate our laws, mm-hmm. and they want their religion to not be offended. I can't buy alcohol on Sunday, so you can't either. Right. Like, well, I'm not part of your group, so. And I would love for somebody to show me a law that's specifically just talking about atheists. Like, this is a rule for atheists. I mean, there there is one in either seven or 13 states, I think it's seven, where still on the books, um, but ruled unconstitutional, you can't run for office, office if you don't and, profess a belief in God. Mm. Yep. Right. I remember, no, I remember no. seeing that like a year or two ago. I can't remember which state I saw that in, though. 
Yeah. Probably now this is the wrong it. podcast for it, but like <laughs> there's a lot of laws on the books that are no longer actually enforced because there's subsequent case law that says pretend that isn't there. But like at one point there were seven states that said, no, fuck you. You're an atheist. You can't run for office. My point beautifully mm-hmm. demonstrated. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> or, or the fact that in Minnesota, you can't tie your alligator up to a fire hydrant. But I found out that there actually is a good reason why you can't have a whale in the Great Salt Lake. Well, it's not deep enough. No, it's it's not just that. Somebody did like a like basically a circus. And for one of their things they brought in as like a a, a attraction attraction. for this event that they were doing is they shipped in a fucking whale and put it in the Great Salt Lake and it died like immediately. And too much salt. Yeah, and so they passed a law that was like you can't have a whale in the Great Salt Lake, so that nobody would try that shit again. Yeah, so what? that's like one of those laws where it's like, really, do you have to put in the bucket that we can't put kids in these things? <laughs> mm-hmm. While we're on the topic of really stupid laws, this one is actually still in place, as far as I know. But in Alabama, it is illegal to keep an ice cream sandwich in your back pocket. Oh, only front pockets. You'll forget only it in your back pocket. pocket. You don't want to sit on it. My understanding is because it would lure horses away from their jobs back when carriages were a thing, and they never took it off the books. It is technically illegal to keep an ice cream sandwich in your back pocket. Now. The next time That's you go visit sneaky. my friend Kyle, you know what I'm Absolutely. doing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's a sneaky way to steal a horse. It's beautiful. I love it. But so so just as as a wrap up, like that's that's pretty much everything we've got for the study. Right. Like, I just want to make sure if you've got anything else that you want to say about that or the other literature we looked at. But like, you know, it's yours if you have anything left. Yeah. I mean, the biggest things that I want to say just as an ass covering measure as a student and respecter of science, like these are all correlational, not causational. This is all analysis driven by collected evidence Nothing in science is proven. If it was that easy, I wouldn't have a job. And and the other thing, too, I know that you meant to say it, but did not. But that you're like your being here is not at all representative of your university or anything like that. You're just here because you know this shit better than I do. And so you're just helping me out like and us out to to understand what's really an interesting study that talks about like, you know, differences in morality that like we can now show on paper like no it's not that we're immoral it's just that there's uh, a highly um um like fragmented view of what morality is and not everybody looks through the same side of the lens right and we're just looking at different parts of that than others you stole my lens analogy the best thing the thing i love to say about social science is that it's just the pair of glasses that i see the world through and that's it it's the analytical framework that i use to intake all information and that's my favorite thing to do in the world i mean if if dr john alt is still alive and somehow finds this podcast like i still use paradigm theory every single day you know going back to psychology 102 so like yeah i'm I'm with you (laughs) You guys are such fabulous fucking nerds. I love it. <laughs> you should have heard me when he was making D&D references last week. Every time I heard them through the door, I was just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's what we got. That's that's it. Um, this has been fantastic. Thanks for giving us this. Yeah. No, thank you, man. This has been fucking awesome. I appreciate it more than you know. This is not only did you take a huge weight off of my shoulders and and help out with producing content but it was fantastic content too like this was such a great discussion i'm glad you enjoyed it and 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 if i can like one thing i just thought about um i don't know if like cybabe still listens to this show but like if either of us fucked anything up and and you want to like come in and say hey do this instead like please because absolutely like like she's still in graduate school i'm probably going to go back to graduate school at some point like i want to be better i don't think that i am right like we are learners we're always learning so if we fuck something up please come in fix us like oh yeah uh, yeah yeah yes. please and, and let if us you know. write to the show i'm totally cool with interacting with you personally like i love having academic conversations i would do this all day every day if i could so i am totally down to talk to anybody who wants to talk about this stuff Woo-hoo. thank you that's 
fantastic. If they want to get in contact with you, what would be the easiest and most effective way for them to do so? Contact the Godless Revolution. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I'm not comfortable with putting my social media out there just yet. Um, but if they contact you guys, you can absolutely like give them my email address kind of thing, if that's okay, okay with you guys. Okay. Well, yeah. Taylor has access to everything now. Yeah, so. absolutely. Yes, I absolutely check that frequently. I need to look at that so much more frequently than I do. I'm so sorry, guys. No, we, um, we, get, we get more junk mail than anything, so don't worry. That's, that's fair. And if, if you want to like get to Sandra more directly, hit me up on Twitter. Um, I'm at Taylor M. Grin. Um, bother me there. I'll redirect it to Sandra. We spend most of our time within about eight feet of each other, so she'll get the message. <laughs> I'm the scary one in the house, I've been told. <laughs> Well, thank you, thank you, thank you. That'll wrap things up for today's show. Uh, before we go, I want to make sure that we thank our Patreon supporters because they keep the show going. I'm always very, very excited about reading the name of pa- the names of our patrons because we just really appreciate you guys doing this and and helping to support the show financially. Uh, it's it's wonderful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But our Patreon supporters, let's see. Do you want you want to participate in the in the name reading, Sandra? Oh, absolutely not. You guys can take it away. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I, don't worry. I fuck I, up names all the time. I, I'll speak for avocado. Does that work? <laughs> Let's go in uh, order of amount of hair with the most being first. So take it away, Taylor. <laughs> Rough. I don't know. Are we counting beards here, Dan? Because you might have me beat. Um, all right. So we'll go with uh, Alan Firth. Christy Galbuck. Stephen Andrews. Two Skeptical Chaps. Vanessa. Don't be a Richard. Ollie Olson. John McCullough. Tiffany Hudson. Sinead Duffy. Steve Cuno, a new Patreon patron. Thank you very much, Steve. Steve was on a previous episode that we have aired that was a whole lot of fun with Joanna Hanks, the It's Not About Sex My Ass episode. And we look forward to having him on a future episode as well because there's exciting developments in his life that'll be a lot of fun to talk about utah outcasts wesley aaron andrew vodapich another guy J- with some exciting oh. stuff going on in his life uh congratulations oh, on getting married yeah yeah i was very excited to see that congratulations andrew that's that's exciting stuff hell yeah jeremy goodson all hail penis buttra jeff peterson Corey ebert Megan Mitchell. Freethinker215. Tim Jacobson. Janet Uter. Savita Kuna. Avocado the cat. <laughs> James. Uh, Purple Dragon. Uh, Nico Gonzalez. Chad Pryor. And Patreon customer service sucks donkey balls. thank you all very much if you dear listener would like to become a patreon patron you can do so easily by going to patreon.com slash godless revolution where you can contribute as little as one dollar per episode and that gets you access to all of our back catalog on patreon as well as extended episodes uh the episode released before it's available to the general public extended outtakes bonus episodes all kinds of fun stuff uh, when we have time to make them. <laughs> I mean, I, I want to get the show to where our Patreon reading takes an hour. Sure. We would probably modify things. <laughs> and we've got a lot of changes that will be coming to the show in, in the future as far as... When tax season is over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When, when I have some if breathing room. And <laughs> When I have some breathing room to do some other stuff besides work and have this you know, couple hour respite chatting to you, fine folks, and then editing the show and then working more. So, uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you uh, very much for joining us tonight, Sandra. That was amazing. Yeah, that was great. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you, Ryan and Taylor. You guys are fucking awesome. I appreciate you more than, you know, and that's all I got. I'm out. Bye Dan. (laughs) Why is it so dark in here? Where is everyone? (laughs) so this is for you three and anybody listening if you want detailed information from epidemiologists about vaccines about covid 
just one podcast, this podcast will kill you. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> but it is so, so detailed. And it's done by people who have their doctorates in this. Like, I respect them utterly. And it's a great place for information for medical things. That's it. I'm going to use CRISPR to grow myself a fucking 10 inch dick. This is what happens between the bricks. No, You're know. seeing this is how the sausage is made. I mean, I can hear it in the background. I just don't get the other two inputs. I just hear you. Yeah. And I've heard, heard this a thousand times. So. <laughs> when you are constantly having reminders of exactly what your faith is supposed to tell you to do, uh, you're going to damn are, are you gonna value those <laughs> sorry we'll just we'll cut <laughs> sorry. Sorry. <laughs> hold on give me give me two seconds and we got ryan who will just he's i'll just dog. yeah i'll just fucking railroad something and dan will wrangle us in as needed so i stumble my way through life and look where i got to shit shit Shit. That's not what they used. Shot. Yeah. I'm just going to do a cut clap right here for you, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dan. Huh? Did you watch did you watch the latest episode of Resident Alien? Uh by latest which which one would that like be? This the one that would would have came out the most recently? Um I well I know that when we watched the last episode we watched a few days ago, it was the latest one available, but I don't know when new episodes are released. Okay. Does that make sense? I don't know either. I watched it last night. Did he do the shitty mustache joke? The shitty- yes. Yes. <clears throat> Actually, I fucking yeah. pulled that so that I could play it. <laughs> with- really? No shit, dude. I heard that joke and I instantly paused it and I told Tracy, I need to make a note of this so that I can pull the audio <laughs> for use in the show. Yeah, we literally were watching it last night, and he'd said the firefighter line. I went, "Hey!" And he said the pedophile line. I went, "Oh." <laughs> yep, I absolutely did. I've already pulled that audio. It's already on my hard drive for inclusion between segments in the future. <laughs> uh. <laughs> okay. You're welcome. We are, we're good now. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>